The message you're listening to was recorded by Campus Outreach for the 2018 New Year's Conference. More information about New Year's Conference can be found at newyearsconference.com. My name is Cameron Engel, and I'm on staff with Campus Outreach in St. Louis. This is a seminar on, I think it's titled, How to Stay Christian After College. It's about life after college, so if you're like, nope, not the right one. Um, I can turn around if you want for a second, and you can snake out. Is everybody good? You in the right one? Okay, good. If not, it might be worth it. Just stick around. Um, if you're not about to graduate, that's okay. Who here is, is a freshman or sophomore? Anybody? Uh, hey, that's what I'm talking about. Starting early. <laughs> motivated. If you were front row, it would have been the perfect setup. Front row and, okay. Um, so I'm on staff in St. Louis, and um, I've been on staff for 10 years. Uh, I came to Christ as a freshman in college at Indiana State University. Anybody from Indiana in this room? I am a Hoosier as well. And we found out. Probably like a month, so eight years ago we moved to St. Louis to start Campus Outreach St. Louis, and when we were around our church for the first time, they started uh, using the word Hoosier in some conversations, and we were like, oh, cool, they like Indiana people too. We found out that in Missouri, the word Hoosier means like hillbilly, or like backwards, or like good old boys in the country. Um, so, we, they, so I don't know who from Indiana went over there and ruined it for all of us, but uh, <laughs> ever since then we can't quite claim Hoosier. Um, some other things about me, I, uh, I'm a husband, I'm a father, um, I'm a son, I'm a brother, uh, I'm a pet owner. Does anybody have like a dog or, you have a cat, I don't really want to know, but uh, like a dog you miss right now, because you haven't seen him in a few days or a few while. Okay. My dog's name is Levi, he's a husky chow mix, he's five years old, he's awesome. Um, and I work with Campus Outreach, I, and I work with two roles. I'm the area director. I oversee a couple campuses in the St. Louis region, and uh, I've recently moved into a role called the mobilization director. You guys may have those in your region. You may not. It's kind of a new thing in Campus Outreach the last few years. Um, and uh, I really like it. I'm really excited about it. Uh, let me tell you, give you some introductory comments, and then, what's up, Tony? Um, and then we will, that's going to be weird on the recording for everyone listens to this later. It's like, Tony. Um, I stick your picture on the thing. Uh, I'm going to give you some like introductory statements, and I'm going to have a friend come up and share a little bit uh, some of his thoughts on this stuff, too. Um, I'm going to tell you why I love and hate these things. Uh, I love these scenarios because I really like to teach, and I don't mean like just give talks. I like to teach, so I brought a whiteboard and a marker. We're going to do some drawings and stuff up here for real. Um, I hate these things because, for me, they're an opportunity for sin. I just want to be honest with you guys so you get to know me. Um, I need you to pray with me because... Like, I'm fighting really, like, really hard not to just be impressive in these kind of things because you guys are all from different regions. I don't know you, and you chose this seminar or were suggested to go to this seminar by some staff or your student. And uh, if you leave this talk, going around talking to your friends and the staff person that's in your life or other students in your life, talking about how good of a talk this was, and I've really failed you, I believe. I'm for real about that. Like, I think you should leave this talk. My hope is that... I, I want to kind of do this with your head, like stick it back in your Bible like that. And I want to kind of help you align your life with God's vision for what he wants to do. Um, so I hope when you're leaving this time, you're going around talking with your friends about what God could be doing in your life through some of this content. Not so much. And that was a great seminar. It doesn't really matter because um, 14 years, this is my 14th New Year's conference. And I don't remember a lot of these things that I've been to. Uh, I know they've shaped me. I do remember some content, and I know that I'm a different person today than I was because of these kind of seminars. Um, but it's not that big of a deal, and I hope you don't take this too seriously, because uh, I'm not taking myself too seriously. Um, is that cool with you guys? Cool. Um, so please pray for me um, that I fight the sin of wanting to do that. Uh, and I would just, last thing kind of starting off is, is to ask you guys why you're here. 
Um, if you don't know that question, maybe someone just told you you should go to this talk, then that's okay. You may be like, I don't know where to go. Or like, hey, go to this one because you're about to graduate. I don't want you to fail <laughs> or whatever. Um, but I take a second really quick in your notebook or whatever you're using to take notes, your phone or your journal. And uh, I want you to answer the question for yourself. Even if someone else told you to come or suggested it, why are you here? And what do you hope you get from this? Because if you're not internally motivated for this time, it, it won't matter. You won't learn anything. It'll be a wasted hour or 45 minutes or so. I want to get out of the way and let a friend come up and share. His name is Jason. He goes to Lindenwood University in St. Louis. And uh, I want to tell you a quick why I invited him to come. So let me just preempt this by saying I asked Jason to do this yesterday. Um, so just uh, he just found out, <laughs> but he can handle it. Uh, he's a big boy. And uh, I, I am very uh, impressed with Jason. Um, I think he's an incredibly courageous guy. I'll explain why at the end, because he probably won't say it. And uh, uh, one, of my, one of my dear friends, we've, I've known him for the last three or four years, and he's got a lot of good things to say. And it'd be way better for you to hear from him on some of this stuff than from me. He's about to graduate uh, in just a few months. And so uh, I want you guys to hear from one of your own about what they're thinking as they get ready to graduate. So welcome up with me, Jason, if you would. Cam. Um, so Cam specifically asked me to talk about uh, work and workplace and how that even looks like after college. Um, so just a little bit of background about me is, as he said, I'm a senior at Lenoir University. I'm getting ready to graduate in May. And um, so kind of a little uh, background is uh, my perspective on work was completely different coming into college than what it is now. Um, freshman and sophomore year, I actually I declared as a business major. And the only reason I did that was because at Linwood, you can't go in undeclared. They told me you have to pick something. So I was like, let's just go with the most general thing, whatever, let's do business, um, just to see how that worked out. And um, halfway through my college career, there was really uh, no purpose. There was really no long-term goal to it. I was just kind of doing it kind of, uh, kind of just because I had to, and that's the reason why. Like, that's why I was there, so I was just doing it. Um, but God really changed my perspective on work. He did it in a, a, lot, in a lot of ways. Um, so one way he did it was um, through actually human resources. Human resources was um, a part of business that I declared as my emphasis. And when I did that, um, human resources before to me was something like, um, how many of you seen The Office, right? Toby from The Office. Nobody likes that guy, right? So that's kind of like my view of what human resources was like. Um, but God flipped that, flipped the script and changed that perspective for me. And he did it in ways that I couldn't even think were imaginable. Um, I remember I was in a D group led by Cam, actually, and he was talking about one of the overall themes of the Bible, that it was God restoring us back to his original creation. Like, he was supposed to restore us back to the way things are meant and supposed to be. And even a quote, um, Cam shared us with by a guy that, quote, Cam says, way smarter than any of us. Um, I forgot his name. But basically, he said, there's not a square uh, foot on this planet Earth that Jesus Christ doesn't claim to be mine. He doesn't say that's mine. And when you think about that and how that uh, correlates to um, correlates to business and everything like that, like God wants good business men and women. God wants good teachers. God wants good um, construction workers. All those things, like all that work, is like towards the kingdom. Like that. That took a while for me to like actually truly believe because I thought, you know, if I'm a Christian, like I'm either going to be a pastor now or a missionary. Literally, <laughs> like my parents were like calling me like daily, like, all right, when are you just going to like say you're going to go to a seminary or like be a pastor? That's so why I'm like, I'm just not called to that. But, um, yeah, God really changed my perspective on human resources. And what he's done through me now has uh, just absolutely been incredible. Um, 
I actually got an internship at a hospital in St. Louis uh, as a human resource intern. And just what uh, he has shown me just in the couple months of that internship has been absolutely incredible, not only from a faith perspective, but just how human resources and business in general plays to faith. Um, I get to do and see crazy things. Um, I get to work with business partners that um, work strategically with nurses on how to improve their job and how to make their job easier. And we get to come up with cool ideas to do that. You get to see um, really the brokenness of sin, honestly, and grievances that you have to handle. Um, tough situations where people have to make tough decisions about terminating employees or not based on their situations and what they've done. Um, so there's a lot of justice side to it and everything. Uh, just learned so much that I don't think I ever would have seen if I didn't have that perspective of um, what does God want me to do out of this and how am I working towards his kingdom. Um, it's really a crazy thing when you think about that. I think sometimes being an intern, you are doing intern-like stuff. So I'll literally, some of my days will consist of being in the back of a room with a laptop, eight hours of data entry. You're just typing in data entry and stuff. And you're, you think of that like, how, like how's, that, how's that like glorifying God? How's that like what's that doing like I'm just sitting here putting in numbers in a computer but when you have that perspective and like you learn the business aspect of it like what's that data going towards like that data is like reaching out like we're finding new ways to like be innovative and finding new ways to how we can keep nurses happy to keep them there how we can have nurses work and get their jobs done better and more effectively like that data that I'm entering is playing into that and we can just strategically think of ideas based on that data to interpret that stuff. Um, it's just crazy. He's taught me so many things through that. Um, but yeah, it's been really cool. It's just crazy how God has flipped my perspective on work. Uh, I used to look at it as something that I didn't want to do, like exactly how we think of work. But now I get to look at work and I get to enjoy and see, like I get to be a part of God's kingdom. I get to like, he enters me in to work and like I get to be a part of his kingdom and his plan. And when you look at work that way, it's like such a different perspective than what we look at work and just think of it as like something that we have to do or we're supposed to do just to earn a paycheck. So so I got um, one of the things that Jason has taught me along with some of the other Linua guys that are back here is um, something that I think is really important it, that this is, might be like borderline uh, campus outreach heresy. So uh, they, they've taught me the value of like misplaced identity in campus outreach. And so let me just all out for you really quick. Something that, I'm, especially for Jason, um, they're laughing back there because they're like, what's he about to draw? <laughs> uh, I've been thinking about what will help you succeed. This is like just a freebie, okay? And then we'll dive into the content. Is um, You have like all, who you are is like all this stuff. Like let's just imagine this is your identity and you know, you're a you know, child of God primarily. Uh, and then you're, you know, uh, fill in the blank. You're this, this. A very, very small portion of you, what you are, is you're a part of this thing called campus outreach, right? So if this is how you stack your life, that's really good. But what we tend to do is because we're in this ministry and, and it's our friendship and it's our community, and many guys came to Christ through this ministry, so there's a lot of like identity wrapped in that. It's something like this. I'm a great artist, as you can tell. Um, if this is, you know, the CO piece, what happens when you graduate? What's one of the first things that's going to go? Yeah, so when that happens over here, not a big deal, right? I mean, it's a big deal. There's some friends you won't get to see a whole lot anymore. But who you are is not shaken. If this happens here, your world crumbles. So especially if you're an upperclassman, I, I'm going to encourage you to do two things. So I'm going to give you the end from the beginning. Here's my two applications for this whole time. Is you need uh, to be, if you want to survive after college, 
you need to be uh, pursuing membership of a church. I'll explain that in just a second. Um, and you need to understand that your work matters. And I'll have some specific applications for those. Um, but so why I say this is because Jason and I had a conversation, and I've had it with some of the other Linux guys. Um, one of the things I thought was really great, I would have not had the courage to do this as a student, is Jason stepped away from our ministry for a season in order to like continue to invest in his relationship with God uh, in some unique ways. And at the same time, he also said no to some summer opportunities, some summer project opportunities, and international opportunities because he wanted to start pursuing his vocational uh, ends and means. And, uh, and I was just like, man, that's, that's exactly what we're trying to do. Now, instead of just another guy who's done all of the campus outreach things, which is like a beautiful thing. I've been involved for 14 years. It's transformed my life. Like, don't hear what I'm not saying. He also invests in what it's like to be a Christian outside of that. And, and now as a ministry, we get to equip and, and send off a guy who's going into HR with the gospel in hand and with a you know, loving attitude. And here's the other thing, ladies. Sorry, Jason. Just, no. He watches our kids. So some would kind of say he might be the total package over there. Okay, just, we trust him with our children. Um, you're welcome, Jason. I'd put his number on the screen if I could. But um, Okay, so we got a little bit of time left. And um, I want to ask you a question. How are you feeling about graduation? Nervous. Just throw out nervous. What else? Emotional. Someone I think just said, ooh. <laughs> emotional? Who said emotional? Good. I graduated. It's emotional. Okay, he did it. Okay, he's graduated. What else? How are you feeling? Excited. Excited, good. Anybody afraid? Okay, in case you shook your head yes and you can't see, a lot of other people shook their head yes, so it's okay. Um, I want to affirm that those are all really, for the most part, really good emotions to feel. Excitement and fear, you probably feel a mixture of both of those, are really good. And I want to affirm those because you should be excited because your best years are ahead of you. And you need to believe that. Um, if your best years were in college, and I'm really sorry, because that's a really small portion of your life, and you have a lot to go. And then that's a long downhill. Um, and fear is a good thing, because these, this next thing of, of your life could be the most crucial for sending the, you know, you know, establishing the trajectory for the way it'll go for a long time. Um, but why do you think we feel those ways? Why, when it comes to graduation, all of a sudden we lose some of our confidence, we lose some of our peace, some of our security, we start feeling things like anxiety and nervousness and, and wonder and question and we get confused and we doubt and, and, and I just wonder if it's because we just kind of, you know, was this all worth it? You know, you guys are probably investing a few thousand dollars if you think about all the things from CEO that you go to and summer projects and conferences and all the hours you spend in days and weeks and probably some of you months on projects that you spent investing in this thing called your walk with Jesus and in and, and now your college career and add on to that all the thousands of dollars that, that that's going to cost. And then you're like, I, I'm going to walk off this stage with not with a diploma in your hand because that's not real. If you guys didn't know that, they don't give you actual diplomas anymore. You've got to wait until you can make grades and don't have any parking tickets. Um, and then it's like, was that all worth it? Did it work, right? Because it's, it's real life at that point. And I think people air quote that a lot. And that's silly because that is for real. Like that is real life. Your life is real now too, but... Trust me, it's not on some levels. Um, I know some of you go through some real things too. Um, so to help us answer that, I, I want to I ask you, do you think, how do we flounder or will we flounder or will we flourish? That's the question we're trying to answer. Will you flounder or will you flourish after college? And, uh, and uh, to get us there, what I want to do is I want to take us back into the story as DA has been doing with us. And I want to um, take you back into the old part of the story. And uh, 
Um, as we think about these things, I hope that these would give us a path for flourishing rather than floundering. So if, are you guys interested in that? Sound good? Okay, let's look at these really briefly. This is tip of the iceberg kind of stuff. I won't go into too many details. Uh, I'll show you a couple more pictures, um, and you'll be really even more impressed with my art skills. Um, my wife and I have a Christmas tradition. It's Harry Potter. Anybody have that tradition? I don't know why, but why did, I, some reason Harry Potter and Christmas go together to us, because there's a couple of Christmas episodes or seasons or whatever they're called, portions of the movie, I guess. Um, I promise I'm a big Harry Potter fan. It sounded like I wasn't. Anyway, I was watching it this Christmas, and there's this part um, where Voldemort, probably shouldn't say his name, but, you know, um, is, is talking about why Harry survived, and I don't know if anybody remembers that scene. Do you know what he says? Why did he survive? Because there was, because of love, it was an old magic that he, had, he didn't know about, he'd forgotten about. Um, what I want to do is I want to show you an older part of the story, and so we're going to look at Genesis 1, because you guys have probably spent all kinds of your quiet time devotionals in Genesis 1. Um, and I want to say this, that this is a truth that's older than your salvation, if you think about it. And so that also means this, if you're in here and you're not a Christian, which is great, this is still true for you. Um, this is a truth that applies to all of humanity. Um, this is a truth that we Christians forget. We start the story kind of in Genesis 3 with fall and sin, and then Jesus, you know, redemption promised in Genesis 3. And we forget that two chapters before that, there were some other things that were true about us in the world. So we're going to look into that. And what we're going to see, um, so yeah, what I want to say is if you're not a Christian, this is still true for you. And if you want to flourish after college, I think you can. I think there's really happy people who do a lot for the world who aren't believers. And I think it's because some of these things are true about them. Um, I don't think that, you know, there's eternal you know, significance to relationship with Jesus that really matters as well, which DA has been showing us. Um, and here's the, here's the old truth I want to teach you. Uh, you were made for relationships, okay? You can write that down if you want. You were made for relationships. Um, so if you got a Bible, go to Genesis 1, 26. Um, Genesis 126, let me read it to you. We're going to start in 26 and go through 28. And uh, we'll do a little bit in Genesis 2, but not right now. Uh, it says this, Then God said, Let us make man in our image according to our likeness. They will rule the fish of the sea, the birds of the sky, the livestock, the whole earth, and the earth. Oh, sorry, and the creatures that crawl on the earth. So God created man in his own image. He created, in, in the, he created him in the image of God. He created them male and female. 28, God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, and subdue it. Rule the fish of the sea, the birds of the sky, and every creature that crawls on the earth. Um, from that passage, we see that you are made for four relationships. You are made for relationship with God, made in the image of God. You are made for relationship with yourself, and we can get to that more in Genesis 2, when you see the fall, kind of, or Genesis 3, sorry, when the, when the fall happened. You are made for relationship with other people, male and female. We know in Genesis 2, it says that it was not good for man to be alone. You were made for relationship with the world. You were made to rule, have dominion. Or in Genesis 2, it uses words that you were made to care for and cultivate the garden. Um, the first two we're not going to talk about. We're going to focus in on these two. And um, but I wanna, Here's my premise, and here's my theory, is that most people that flounder after college is because of two reasons. It's because they don't have friends and they're bored with their job. 
um, they don't have friends and they're bored of their job. So what I want to do is just is help you see why you should be in community, and particularly in a church, and then and then why your job matters. And uh, we'll spend more time on the second one. Um, what God did in creation, he created a community of people, a society full of social creatures. You were made <clears throat> male and female. You were made as different types of people with different ethnicities. You were made all these things because God is creating a community of people. This is a social thing that God created. Um, you are a social being. Okay, So when you enter into isolation for long periods of time, that's a, that's a space of unhealth. right? When you're alone or, or you're not with other people, that's a, you know, I get introversion, I get extroversion. Um, you are made to be with other people. And, um, you know, I, one thing we have to realize when we read the Bible, we read it through a Western lens. And our Western lens is very individualized. So when we read the scriptures, we read everything as if it's written just to me alone. And, uh, and there's really good in that. Yes, you do have a personal responsibility to respond to Jesus and obey God's commandments. Uh, in the first century, though, that's not how they understood the scriptures. The Jewish community was a communal community. They understood things in, in the ideas of family and households. Um, so when you see the word you a lot in the New Testament, it's really more like, you guys have probably heard this, but it's like y'all. Okay? It's like all of you together, a community of people. Um, so it'd be like this. My son's name is Weston, and when Weston disobeys, you know, we, we deal with him individually. And we say, Weston, this, you know, this was wrong. You shouldn't have done this. And sometimes we'll tell them things like this, like because Weston, the reason why is because you're an eagle. You're a part of our family. Our family doesn't do stuff like that. Our family doesn't lie, Weston. Our family doesn't hurt people. So you're not just Weston. Like, Weston, you're a part of a family. You're, you're a communal person. You're part of a bigger thing than just yourself. Um, if you look at the New Testament, um, I will look at one book of the New Testament to help you see this even more. The book of Hebrews. Uh, was written to a group of people who uh, were Jews who'd become Christians and were feeling or were facing persecution for their faith. So you can imagine, if you can, to put yourself in that time period and that day and age where things like your household goods and your reputation and who you were and what you did, all that was on the line. Because you, who were once a part of the synagogue and once part of the Jewish tradition, which the Romans at the time were like, this is an okay religion, now you have said, I'm transferring my allegiance from that to this person named Jesus, who they called the Lord, which was a direct assault at Caesar. So you've all of a sudden entered into this religion that is no longer acceptable to the ruling power over you. So now all of a sudden, your whole life is, in like, is on the line. So this is a community that everything they thought was normal, all the, all the day-to-day things that they faced is all upended. Kind of sounds a little bit like not too far of a stretch from I've been in college for four or five, six, seven years. I have this normal life system, and all of a sudden I get out of it, out of this community of things that I was normal and used to, and I'm placing this place called life after college. Things are shaky. I don't know where I stand. And the theme, one of the themes of Hebrews that goes over and over and over is the idea of community. He tells him, in light of all this persecution, if you look at chapter 3 and chapter 10 particularly, he's saying things like, hold fast to one another. Um, do not neglect to meet together. Do not neglect. Don't, don't forget each other. You need each other. So here's what I would say. Um, more than your quiet times after college. Okay, again, don't hear what I'm not saying. I believe in quiet times. I believe in daily devotionals. I would say if you're going to focus on anything after college, deep, rich prayer life, personal time with Jesus every morning, being a part of a community, choose the third one. Because... You are a person that is made to be with other people. From the very beginning, you were created to be someone who is in community, who is in deep friendships with other people. 
And the context we have that in is the local church. And I say that because if you don't, you will end up becoming isolated. You'll end up becoming alone. No one will know you. And, and then all of a sudden, your daily quiet times don't mean as much. All of a sudden, your rich prayer life starts to fade. Um, so that's my challenge. Uh, if you're going to flourish after college instead of flounder, you need real friends and real people in your life. Um, I recently watched this thing, and it was about wolves. <laughs> I have a husky chow, so it kind of like a wolf, so I like wolves a little bit. And they were saying um, one of the things about wolves, as you guys maybe know if you're a wolf fiend or fanatic, um, <laughs> is that they are pack animals. So they, they run in packs, for sure. And one of the reasons why they do that is because when they hunt, they're often hunting animals that are much larger than themselves. So if they're going to survive in the wild and take down this thing that's much larger than them, they have to rely on each other as a pack. And there's like this deep, deep trust and all this stuff and wolves. It's really cool. Using that illustration now as a graduate out of college, if you think for a second that you can tackle life after college alone, um, you're really silly. The Bible will probably call you foolish, actually. Um, you, you will not survive. You won't make it. If you're going to tackle this thing called life after college, you, you need community of people. And I would say you don't just need like some friends on your social media or some friends you text. Like you need a church people, a group of a church that knows you and presses into your life. Okay? So if you're gonna do anything after college and you wanna you want to flourish, pursue membership at a church. Okay, first point. Second point, um, you were made in relationship to the world. Uh, you were made it says you were made to have rule or to have dominion. Uh, you were to cultivate and keep the garden. Um, so let me just draw this out really quickly um, and when you're ready to bring this to a close um, does anybody here like fiction stories fiction books, fiction novels like who likes movies okay so you like fiction too <clears throat> here's, what, here's how a good story works okay you've got a sender you've got an agent or a person who is sent You've got some kind of task, and you've got a recipient. <clears throat> what happens then is, is, you know, so use an example like, like grandma, or I'm sorry, uh, red mom <coughs> sends Red Riding Hood to deliver cookies to her grandma. You guys know that story? Heard it. Heard it, good. <laughs> what happens though? Something comes in, an impediment, impediment, I don't know how you say that exactly comes in there's a big bad wolf they'll go together somehow I guess I don't know uh, and then there's some kind of hero or some kind of help that comes I think there's like a farmer in the woods who kind of saves Red and she can complete her task um, that's a good story right uh, Gandalf sends Frodo with the ring to destroy it in Mordor uh uh Dumbledore sends Harry to die. So Voldemort, okay, you guys get it? Um, <laughs> big Harry Potter. Big Harry Potter. If anybody can say from this talk, it's just go read Harry Potter and your life will be better. I should have typed, yeah, okay. Um, let me, can I tell you the story that you probably have heard and believe, right? The Christian story is this. Um, that God sent Jesus to die for our sin so we go to heaven, right? It's a beautiful story. What if I told you that's not the right story or it's not the full story? What if the full story is actually this, that we see from the story of the Bible, that God 
creates man to care for and keep his earth, that's the task, so that the world will flourish. Sin enters the picture as an impediment and destroys and taints. Jesus comes in as a helping savior and restores man back to their agency, restores man back into the story to play their part. That's a different story, right? In this first story, God sent Jesus to die for our sins to go to heaven. That's a true story. Who is not in that story anywhere? You. You do nothing. And uh, if you read that story, then a lot of your Bible doesn't make a lot of sense, right? You ever like read like Habakkuk? Been like, I don't see a lot of Jesus in the cross in this. Uh, it's there for sure. It's pointing there. Um, what I'm not saying is that you're the centerpiece of the story, but we have to understand what Jesus was doing on the cross was he, he wasn't just securing your eternal salvation. He was doing that. He was doing something much more than that as well. He was, he was enacting uh, this uh, cosmic redemption, if you want to use some cool language. If you want a tattoo word on the back of your shoulder, cosmic redemption would be a good one. Um, and the beautiful part of the story is that you have a part to play. Theologians call it the theodrama. Um, the theodrama of Scripture is that God created man to be, bear his image, to care for and keep his world so that the world would flourish. But we know that didn't happen, right? Look around you. The world is not flourishing. It's not full of peace and happiness and joy and thriving. Because um, sin is there in the picture. So Jesus deals with sin, and in dealing with sin, he re-enlists you back into the story. So what does that mean for you after college? Um, you can think about it like this. You guys, know, you guys catch how DA said that there are four seasons to the Netflix episode, you know, the scripture. Did he talk about those today? I didn't get to go to them. Okay. Here's the four seasons. It's creation, uh, rebellion, redemption, restoration. That's the basic storyline of Scripture. God created the world. God made it. We broke it. Jesus fixes it. We get to live it. Um, when Jesus dies on the cross right in here, the scope of his work returns all the way back to this. That's what Jason was referring to. Like that, what Jesus was doing, if you look at Colossians 1, in 2 Corinthians 5, um, in Revelations 21 through 22, the end story is all things being made back to the way they were supposed to be. Meaning, if Jesus really is the king over all of earth and all of creation and the whole universe, he's the king over things like medicine and the king over things like economics and the king over things like business and education and agriculture and manufacturing. He's the king over those things. He invented them. And, and they're part of his world. And so he is not just redeeming people and saving them so they go to heaven. Yes, that's true. He is, he is restoring all of creation. So when heaven comes here, in the new heavens and the new earth, um, it was back to the way it was supposed to be in the beginning. So you think about all these words we have for what happens what Jesus does, right? Like reconciliation. You guys ever heard that word? What's the first two letters? R-E. Good. You guys all know how to spell a little bit. How about redemption? Restoration. Incarnation. Ah, I gotcha. The biblical language for what the gospel does is it's restorative. One author I like is this guy here. His name is Al Walters. He says that God doesn't make junk, and God doesn't junk what he made. He loves the world. He loves everything in it. Um, So your job actually really matters. If nothing else... If you're data entering and that's all you do, 
I would argue there's way more to that, but also you're loving your neighbor. The greatest commandment, love God, love your neighbor. You get to do that in your vocation. Um, so my question for you would be this. Um, how many of you guys have thought or been heard or viewed from campus outreach that if you want to have influence after college, you need to be a good evangelist, you need to have multiplication charts, you need to make disciples of all nations, I believe all that, and I've given the good portion of my early life to doing it, and still am. Um, can I show you another way to have influence? Is that cool? Okay, if you got a Bible, Proverbs 22, because those are easy to understand, right? That was a joke. Um, this is my second challenge. So become a member of a church if you, if you want to flourish. Second one is know that your work is valuable. And, this, and if you want to like dive into that content, come talk to me. There's tons of resources. This is like hours and hours and hours and hours of conversation that we could have. Let me just read this one verse. Verse 29, chapter 22, verse 29. Mine reads like this. Do you see a person skilled in his work? He will stand in the presence of kings. He will not stand in the presence of the unknown. If you think about the biblical storyline, you might know the story of Joseph when his brothers sold him into you know, slavery and then he, Potiphar's wife accuses him and, and then he's in the dungeons. And what does he do? He interprets dreams. As he interprets dreams, then all of a sudden Pharaoh's having these bad dreams. The, the ruler of like the biggest empire like, is having bad dreams. <laughs> so someone's like, hey, there's this dude in the dungeon who's interpreting dreams. He's, he's, you know, and if we were to use our words, He's really using his gifts. Like God's given him his gift to interpret dreams, and he's just using them. The guy, he's not evangelizing. He's not making disciples. I, again, I'm not taking away from those. I'm just saying, look how Joseph's life was influential. Because he was so skilled in his work, then what does he do? Joseph or uh, Pharaoh calls him up, says, hey, what's going on? And he says, let me just tell you, I'm not the one interpreting these dreams. God is. You see this beautiful, like, maybe there's some witness right there. And he says, there's a famine coming, basically, and... What happens to Joseph? He becomes the second most powerful person in the entire Egyptian empire. Did he lead like thousands of people to cry? I mean, no, like, could he have sure? He just saved millions of lives by being a really good administrator. Do you realize that? He just administrated how the crops were brought in and dealt out. An incredible administrator, caring for God's world, bringing... Like, does that like get anybody else excited? Because it like fires me up a lot to think about you guys that you're going to go sit and be an administrator that God loves that and cares for. I was talking to a girl this morning who loves the environment, loves the world, and wants to see God, like hates that it's getting corrupted. So I asked her, I said, do you think God cares about that? Like if you see an environmentalist on the street telling you to stop using plastic, do you think he doesn't get it? This thing's all about Jesus and going to heaven. She probably, maybe she, that person needs Jesus. I don't know. But a part of you should be like, oh man, that is so true. This is our world. We were called to cultivate it and keep it. And that's just like one piece of it. Um, okay. Let me end with this. We got just a few more minutes. Um, we, got, we got a couple minutes. This is, this, is, this is like hopefully a tip of the iceberg. I hope that just starts more conversations. I honestly kind of hope this wrecks a little bit of some of you a little bit. <laughs> Because it's wrecked me the last four years I've been learning this. And um, 
I think it makes you a better person if you start seeing the scriptures in the world like this. You just you know, you start to value people because they're made in God's image. Uh, people who may not be in the Lord. I hope that you start seeing that your work really matters. So my challenge for that would be this. Sorry, I didn't give you the application. Would be, are you investing in your future career the same way you're investing in your walk with Jesus? Career fairs, professional skills, workshops, internships, networking at your local church. If a skilled worker will stand in the place of kings, can you imagine if some people who are leading in a servant, sacrificial way with the gospel in hand stood next to kings? I think our world would look a little different over time. Um, That's going to take some courage to do those things. You know, how much time do you give to your studies? Do you, like, actually study your stuff? I didn't in college, and I regret it so much. I wish I would have. Um, last thing. You can put your pens down. Close your notebooks. Um, all right, everybody, close your eyes. If you're from Indiana, like I am, you're used to kind of rural country. Uh, unless you're in Indianapolis, then it's obviously a city, in case you didn't know. <laughs> So picture some rolling hillside that's just empty and void. Green hills, or maybe it's they're brown because it's wintertime and it's cold. <clears throat> okay, y'all got that picture in your head? Now I want you to picture a thriving metropolis. Booming with activity, skyscrapers, buildings, technology. Okay, now you can stop, open your eyes. If you were to take a garden, let's say, or an empty field, and turn it into a thriving metropolis, what do you need? So, wait, hold on, what did you say? Into a thriving like city, metropolis, just booming city. You need an economy. So if you have an economy, what do you need? Energy. energy. If you have energy, what do you need to get energy? Resources. What do you mean by resources? Use actual things. Gas. You need gas. Okay, so if you're going to get gas into buildings and homes, what do you need? Infrastructure, okay, what do you, what'd you say? Transportation. You need transportation, okay, if you're going to get transportation, how do, you, how do you get transportation? Factories. Factories, what do they make? Um, parts. Parts, so what do you need to make parts? People, okay. What else do you need to make parts? You need metal or something, electricity. <laughs> you need materials, where do you get materials? The earth. The earth, okay, so what do you, if you're going to, Dig up the earth to get materials. What do you need? You need tools. Okay, well, then who makes tools? Things like Caterpillar, the company. Okay, if you're going to run the company Caterpillar, what do you need? Businessmen. You need businessmen and businesswomen. What about people? They're living there, right? Do you need anything else? If, they're gonna, if it's a thriving metropolis, what else do you need? You don't, can't just have a bunch of Caterpillars driving around. I don't like those things. What? You need housing. Okay, how do you get housing? Building permits, legit, let's go. <laughs> Who built houses? Construction workers, carpenters. My father-in-law is a metallurgist, okay? He's a, he likes chemistry and knows how metal comes together. That's what he does. And your cars are much safer because he knows how the chemical components of steel go together so your doors and stuff don't just destroy. Pretty crazy, huh? So when you drive and you're safe, it's because my father-in-law at some point, honestly, because he works for the biggest steel company in the world, has probably inspected the steel that went into your car and said that it's okay. 
So in a sense, if you're going to drive a car and be safe, my father-in-law down the line had to love you at some point. Right? If you're going to have people with, what do they need to do to survive? They need to eat. Or where do you eat? Chick-fil-A. If you're going to go to Chick-fil-A and eat, what, do you, what has to happen? You need chickens. So who's going to raise chickens? You need farmers. What else do you need? Clean water. If you're going to order from Chick-fil-A, what do you need there? And what do they say every time you say thank you? My pleasure. Let's go. Uh, let me just end with this. In Genesis 1 and 2, where does the storyline start? God placed Adam and Eve where? In the garden. In Revelation 21 and 22, does anybody know what they call the new heavens and the new earth? It's a city. The new Jerusalem. So if we're gonna if the biblical storyline goes from a garden to a city, what do we need today? What are your majors? Some of your majors. Just shout. What is it? So we need politicians. Let's go. We need nurses. Teachers, we, need, we do need marine biologists. Don't smile like it's not a big thing. Like, it's awesome. Take care of the creatures in the water. They're really cool. What else do we need? What do you guys do? Architecture. Architecture. Let's, that's awesome. Engineering. So we need artists. We need artists. Absolutely. We need to create beauty and create culture through art. Musicians. What? We need psychology. Mental health is like the biggest thing in our world right now. Become more psychologists. Engineering. Um, what about, is anybody a business major? I feel like we're not saying that one. Okay, cool. Yeah, it's implied. Everybody just you know, assumes business. Um, your work really matters. And if you're going to thrive after college, please seek to become members of a local church wherever you are. And know that your work really matters and is valuable so that you're not alone without friends and you're not bored day to day. Let me pray, and if you have questions, you can come up and talk to me, and then you guys can move on to the next seminar. God, thank you for the story of Scripture that even if we stink at our majors and we don't get our coursework and if we don't actually do the jobs in our majors, thank you that Revelation 21 and 22 is true. It is happening. It's already written, and that um, we can trust that we are not responsible for that to happen, but you let us play a part. Um, because you're a really good God. And I pray that whatever was said here that is honoring to you and that you want to use, God, would you use it? If not, let us forget it. Um, God, raise up a generation of people who take work seriously and who love you enough to push back the effects of sin in all the areas of life so that um, the Lamb may receive the full reward of his suffering. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to this message from Campus Outreach. Feel free to make copies of this message to give to others, but please do not charge for these copies or alter the content in any way without written permission from Campus Outreach. For more information, we invite you to visit us online at newyearsconference.com.